We're in uh, Acts chapter 16, carrying on from last week. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 16, we start from verse 16. Have to forgive me, my throat's a bit sore. We're plastering the double, then the Romans sort of lie the dust. So it's a bit, it's a bit, Jim's giving me a drink, so money four or five. Get me through the message. But what we're going to learn tonight is, um, you know, Paul the Apostle and Silas, they, be, they were sent to Philippi. Where they're at now is Philippi. Paul wrote a letter to the Philippians. Who knows what the theme of that letter is about? Philippians. The theme of the letter. It's called the Epistle of Joy. Right, and we're going to find out tonight that even though Paul's going to go through something tonight, he still had joy. And when he read that letter to the, of the, to the Philippians, they had to know that he had joy because of his testimony. What he, uh, what he sh- what shone through. So... If you, let's just pray we, like, we want the Lord to speak to us tonight we haven't just come here for a night out we've come here for the Lord to minister to our lives and hearts praise you Jesus hallelujah Lord Father in heaven we come before you tonight my God we do thank you that we're able to be in this place tonight my God and we just pray my Lord that you minister to us through your spirit my God Hey Lord, whatever situation we're in or what we're going through, my God, Lord, we do pray that you, you meet with us tonight, my God. Lord, you are a prayer answering God and you've sent the comfort to us, my God. But Lord, make us more like yourself, my God, I pray. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So in Acts 16, and we start from verse 16, it says, Now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling the girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation and this she did for many days but Paul but Paul greatly annoyed turned and said to the spirit I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and, and he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Praise the Lord. Now, as I say, this is in Philippi. Last week we read, we read the first 16 verses. It was the Holy Spirit that sent Paul and Silas, Luke, Timothy, to Philippi. That was guided there. You know, in the vision he had from Macedonia, the man from Macedonia saying, come and preach to us. Well, look, the Holy Spirit's led them to this place. But we're going to find out that 
Wherever the Holy Spirit leads, we do follow, but the circumstances might not be nice to us. You know, Paul and Silas, they went there to preach the gospel, to get people saved, but you've got to find out in a minute they ended up in prison. You know, we always say it's not easy to be a Christian. We've got to expect persecution, and we've got to expect things not to go our own way. We've got to expect that. We can't walk about with our head in the clouds thinking we're a Christian and everything's going to be cushy for the rest of our life. It just ain't real life, is it? We, we don't live in a fairy tale. We live in a real world. And this... So they're going, they're going as the custom was to pray. And what I want to read to you is just, let's just read the first three verses again. And it says, Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us and brought a master's much profit by fortune telling. This girl full of poor and us and cried out, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. So this slave girl is possessed by a spirit. Right, she is a fortune teller. She predicted the future. Right, so she must have been, she must have had a good percentage of accuracy, mustn't she, for people to go back. Because in, in Deuteronomy it tells us that if a prophet, if someone prophes, false prophet prophesies something and it comes to pass, but it leads you away from the Lord your God, don't follow them. So, false prophets can, prof- can prophesy something true. This fortune-telling girl, she must have been accurate sometimes, because they wouldn't go back. I'm not saying Satan can predict the future, but he has got a realm of demons that can make things happen, hasn't he? Like I say, you could go home and something could happen to this person, and by the time you've gone home, he could have one of his demons do something there. Which is a spiritual thing. And the spirit that this girl had was, it is the spirit of a serpent. The word that the spirit that she had is of a python. It's of a serpent. What sort of, what did Satan come as to deceive Eve in the garden? A serpent. It's still the cunningness, isn't it? There's something there it's to draw people away from the living God. To draw people away. And it made a lot of money. See, Rome at that time was very superstitious. It made lots, she made lots of money for people. Rome was very superstitious. Listen, our people are very superstitious people, aren't they? I've been talking to a fellow today I'm working with. Talking about our people are superstitious. They believe green's an unlucky colour. Right? Yeah, mini bus, half the chairs in here. Walk in, walk in. Because I, I was talking to him about the Lord today and I said, listen, I said, some people think Christians are unlucky. Which they do. Let's be fair. You know, something bad happens and we've been witnessing, we get the blame for it. But we're talking about superstitions and he was on about things, what travellers believe. And I, half of them I know, I thought, surely not. But what the enemy does, he plays on that. A lot of travelling people go to mediums to go and try and contact their dead loved ones. Which we know it's a demon impersonating them. It's not the real person. You know, we our people have been involved in that. Now I've got on my dad's on my, my, my granny's side, I've got aunts that were involved in that. I've got aunts that still do it now. And they just think it's arm, it's harmless. But as other travellers think no, they, they believe it. 
and actually and believe they're talking to their dead loved ones. Because they think it's wrong. The enemy's going to play on that, isn't he? Because what's the enemy's crafty? What I do, I know you're in a lot of pain, so I'll pretend I'm, the, I'm your loved one to draw you away from God. I'll draw, let me, so when we come preaching the gospel that the, Jesus Christ only gives peace, they go, no, I've got peace. Because I'm, going to, I'm, going, I'm, I'm talking to my unsafe loved one. Do you understand what we're up against? It's not just physical, it's a spiritual that we're up against. We've got to look behind what's, it, what's, what's there. It's not always the physical. It's a real enemy and it's a real spiritual battle that we're in. You know, and, but notice when she did it, right? where was they going? First 16, where was they going? To prayer. So she starts following around saying, these men proclaim a way of salvation. End of verse 18, and this she did for many days. So every time they got up for prayer, when they was walking down to the place of prayer, guess who came along and followed them? The slave girl. These men proclaim a way of salvation. You see, what she was doing was, that stopped the prayer time. That stopped it. That's into their prayers. The enemy wants to hinder our prayer life. Because that's when we talk to God. That's when things happen. Right? Because when a Christian's praying, there's nothing stronger. You know, we're praying, when we're, we're, we're doing the things of God, we're reading His Word, we're praying, our mind becomes like Christ Jesus. His will, he pours His will in our hearts. Where, you know, His desires become our desires and we pray according to His will. You know, did someone put it on the down on the WhatsApp group? Did you put it on about praying according to His will, on it? Because, look, God's not a genie. My prayers can't move God's hands, right? Because I'll be God. God chooses me and you to be part of Him, to be part of something. Why does He say, "Come, look, let's read, sanctify me by Your truth. Your word is truth." Why? Because God's pouring in. And when God's pouring in, your will is getting in line with the Father's. And then what happens is when we pray, it's His will we're doing. It's not in our own selfish desires. It's Him pouring into us. He's making us part of it. But the trouble is, because Satan knows that, what's he trying to do? Let's stop it. Let's stop the prayer time altogether. Because when Christians are weak, when Christians are weak and are finding it hard, a lot of the time it's because there's no prayer life. There's no, I, was, I was at a youth meeting the other day and a, a young boy came up for prayer and he said, can you pray for me to be forgiven? And I said, wait, are you a Christian? He went, yeah. I said, well, what are you coming to me for? I said, I can't forgive you. I said, God forgives you. And I asked him, have you got a prayer life? He said, not really. I said, well, that's your problem. You've got to develop a prayer life to spend with God. And the trouble is, we're never going to have no sort of Christianity if we haven't got prayer life with God. Because what Satan will do, just like he tried with Paul here, he'll do the same trick every day. There's always something to do at the time you need to pray. There's always something. Something will something come up. It always does. When you go to pray, phone her in. I'll just watch this bit of news what's on the telly.
I'll just do this before I pray. And before you know it, prayer time's gone, you're about your day, and you ain't talked to God that morning. The enemy's crafty. We, the Bible tells us that we're not to be ignorant of the enemy's schemes. We're not, and, the, and the trouble is, he's so subtle that we are ignorant. That we don't see it. Because if we don't pray, that's it, we're finished. There's no fellowship time with God. Because you know yourself, when you're in that time with God and you're going on and you're, work, you're, you're praying, you're reading, you're different in here, aren't you? You're fellowshipping with God and it's the fellowship that brings something in here. But when we're not, if, if it's not God pouring in, who is pouring in? What's the tools the enemy uses? He uses the things of this world. And that's what he does. If, if it's not God, he's got plenty of things to put there. And that's what he does, just push God out of the picture. And before you know it, we'd start, it's just wilderness. You know, and look, this girl, this girl, right? Satan's got this girl bound. You know, she's saying that these men are proclaiming a way of salvation. You know, Satan, right, he's crafty. Because God doesn't need Satan's testimony. God doesn't need Satan's testimony. He don't need Satan to say that God is true. He don't need that. See, what the enemy's doing here is flattering Paul Silas. He's buttering them up. Yet, see, what he tries to do, instead of persecuting them, he says all nice things to them to butter them up, to work with them. You see, the enemy don't always persecute us. He always will get someone around you who'll kid you up. Because let's be fair, everyone likes someone to say nice things to them, to them don't they? And about them. You know, we all want a mate like that. I ain't got many mates like that, to be honest with you. But we all want a mate like that, don't we? To say nice things about us. Oh, because who don't like to feel good? Everyone likes to feel good. And if you're with someone who, who makes you feel good, then you're in that company of that person. But don't you think that the enemy will put someone there to fill that gap? Because a true friend, someone that's a true friend and true to you, will tell you where you're wrong. And won't always tell you, flatter you, and say... You know, you, everything's right. I've done this wrong. That's right. Don't worry about it. No, they pull you up. Because that's what a true friend does. You know, we... And thank the Lord, we've got brothers and sisters in here that are true friends that will, in love, tell us where we're wrong. I was on about Charles, to be honest with you. <laughs> on about Charles. Yeah. He loves... Joseph loves telling me I'm wrong. Even when I'm right, he loves telling me I'm wrong. We don't need the enemy and we don't need the world to prove the Bible true. We don't need, we don't need to, to use the world to draw people to Jesus. We don't need the world for that. Do you know what saves? The preaching of the gospel saves. We don't need all flashing lights and stage shows like some people do to get people in the church. No. We've got the gospel. It's the power unto salvation. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts us in. Because if we start getting people in here and start having all flashy lights and like stage shows and you know, people that be coming back for that entertainment. We ain't here to entertain people. 
We're here to win the lost. It's the gospel that saves. Because I'll tell you one thing. If you're saved because of entertainment, you can only be kept by that. God won't have no effect there. But when you read verse 19, it says, it says, but Paul, oh sorry, in the verse 8, it says, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Christ to come out of her, and he come out of her hour. See, Paul, now this has puzzled me all week. Why didn't Paul just turn around straight away? And cast the, cast the demon out. Why? Has anyone got a clue? Because I haven't, to be honest with you. I don't know why. Because the way my thinking is, as soon as she would have started, I'd have gone, right, hold up. Nip that straight in the bud. But Paul don't. It's got to the point where Paul's got upset. Sure, he's going every morning to pray, and this woman's in his ear roll. The enemy, you know, he's got his turn around and got annoyed. Whether it's, it's the Holy Spirit's prompted him, we don't know. It don't say. And if if we, well, I can't add nothing there that's not there. You can't put stuff in the Word of God that's not there. But what we do know, he's got the complete sicker for doing it. Now, heresy, that's different, isn't it? Like if someone brings heresy and starts with your brothers and sisters and you're nipping the bud. But I just it puzzled me all week, and I talked to other people about it. I've got no further thought. So please, if any of you have got an answer for me, please, I'd love to learn to tell me why. But whose name was it in? He cast the demon out in the name of Jesus. He never done it. He never went. I'm Paul the apostle. He went no. In the name of Jesus, come out of her. And at very hour, the demon left. You see, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. You know, when the Bible says, greater is he that is in us than it is in the world, why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. When the enemy comes to attack us, we can quote the scripture in the authority of Jesus Christ. Because there's power. But how many of us walk in it? How many of us walk in that power of Jesus? Because there's one thing saying it, aren't they? And there's another thing walking in that power. It's two different things. You know, people misquote the verse. They say, the truth will set you free. That's not complete verse. The verse is, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Knowing the truth puts you into practice. Truth don't set you free. It's knowing the truth that sets you free. And that's the difference. That when you're going through something, it's knowing. Now when you're going through a trial or you're going through something, it's knowing that Jesus can take care of it. That's the difference. You see, now he's cast the demon out. It says the master saw the over the prophet was gone. So the first thing they'd done was got Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace. They didn't care about this girl, did they? All they cared about was the money. So, listen, I don't know if that girl got saved or not. We don't know. Don't say, does it? But what they do know, that their profit's gone. They've, they've lost a lot of money because that was big business in them days. So they dragged Paul and, and Silas to the marketplace. 
And verse 20 says, And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or to observe. What did they say? It's the Jews' fault. It's the Jews' fault. We get the blame as Christians for everything now. At that time, the Jews weren't allowed to, to make converts to them. They weren't, the Jews weren't allowed to do certain things. See, they ain't gone, Paul and Silas are uh, Christians, because the gospel was just spreading. They've gone, no, they're Jews. We're sorting them out this way. Right? So they've got them in there. And I'm going to say this to you now. As Christians, we do obey the law of the land. Right? We obey, until that goes against the word of God, then we go against it. Because we'll find out in a little while, whoever's got next, next time, that Paul uses the law of the land to, for his benefit. I was talking to, I think David's buddy or something, I was talking to another brother in a week about subjects they teach, they try and teach their children at school. I don't use that, I don't use the Christian card to get my children out of things like that. Use the gypsy card. Right? Because the culture's different. Because other Christians accept all that rubbish. They think, well, they accept it. But no, the gypsy card's different, isn't it? That's culture. They're free to say anything against culture. There's nothing wrong with using the law to your benefit, as long as it's honourably. not saying use every loophole that you can to be a crook. We use it to our benefit. But once that law goes against the things of God, we stand upon the truth of the word of God, and we don't move from it. Paul and Silas weren't prepared to move, and we find out they get beaten for it. See, as he said, it's hard of doing it. But... Whose power have we got to do it? I believe this. I believe if God's going to put you in a situation, He's going to give you the strength to get through it. If we're under persecution, God will give us the strength to weather that persecution. Just like we've got brothers and sisters in foreign countries persecuted for the sake of the gospel, being put to death, being beaten, ain't off their own strength they've got they're getting through that, is it? It's through the power of God's Spirit that they're getting through that. And if that happened here, which it will do one day, God will give us the power. It's not a different God in foreign lands. It's the same God everywhere. It's just, listen, we're at the minute, whether we're fortunate or unfortunate not to have persecution here, He's still the same God. In verse 22 and 24 it says, Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore, their clo- tore-, tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they laid, laid them in many stripes, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. And having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, the crowd's going crackers. It's mob mentality, isn't it? One started off just like when they said crucify and crucify. Start them all off. Paul and Silas ain't got no chance of a defence. The manager says, look, I'm not. Rip the clothes off them and beat them with rods. Now, this ain't like when the Jews used to whip, whip you or beat you, which would be 40 stripes minus one, because they believed that was like, one was like death or show mercy. With Rome, it was unlimited. When Jesus was whipped by the Romans, it weren't 40, 39 stripes. When the Romans used to whip him, when they whipped Jesus, and the, the bone and the, and the glass and whatever and used to rip out the flesh, 
It said if they used to confess, then the stripes would be lighter. But Jesus had nothing to confess. So when they, when they used to whip, it used to be harder and harder and harder, trying to make him confess to something he never done. But the Bible says he went before as a sheep to his shearer's dummy, says, didn't it? He? he never cried out. And Paul, and, and Paul, and, look, we don't know how much those beaten with rods here, but I heard one, one commentator say those beaten so much that their flesh was flayed. That means it, it's like they were skinned. That's what it means. The way, it's like their backs were skinned. Being beaten that much. Now, what chance have they, you think, what chance have they got? And, and Paul said this in Corinthians, didn't he? Three times I was beaten with rods. Three times he was beaten like it. Now, surely they must have thought, beating once, he'll learn, won't he? No. Paul don't learn the, the things of the world. He's got the art of Christ. He can't learn the things of this world. Persecution never weakens the church. Persecution only makes the church grow stronger. The church always grew under persecution. Up until the 3rd or 4th century, when the church was persecuted, the church grew. It wasn't until Constantine married church and state that the enemy joined with the church that weakened the church. Because that's what done. The enemy joined the church. He knew that persecuting the church won't do no good. What I'll do, I set, I set, like, let's call them in them days, like their own Church of England up. These all different churches. The Catholic Church. What he done, put his own people in the places of their pastors and weakened it. And what happened was, the true Christians broke away, then they got persecuted. And then they grew. And it's still happening today. Christians getting persecuted, the church is growing. Praise the Lord Jesus. The Bible says in Matthew, it says, they're going to deliver, Matthew 24, 9 says, they'll deliver you up the tribulation, kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Jesus said, a servant's not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. How many Christians do you see are shocked when someone says something or persecutes them? They're shocked by it. We shouldn't be shocked. We should expect it. It's, we can't expect it. But I read this scripture Sunday. It says, We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. Don't matter what we go through, Jesus has got hold of us. Jesus has got hold of us. And it don't matter what we go through. You see, tonight we've had Caroline's go up and give a testimony, Liza's give her testimony. We got brothers going through church in the church, a sister a lost niece and a nephew. We got Kathy's just lost her mother. Right, that's all going on. But God's gonna get them through it. God's gonna get them through it. See, we're not promised it easy. We live in a real world. We all get we're all gonna at some point. We're all getting an age, people we know we love die. And it's pain. Look, ten, last month, it was 10 years when my brother died. I was hurt that much, it took me two years even to say my brother's name. Couldn't even say his name. And it was 10 years the other day, and it was just as raw than it was 10 years ago. 
it still hurts you still hurt it's not easy but the benefit of what I've got I've got Jesus Christ who comforts me Amen. you see and I'll tell you this now when I went through that 10 years ago right and uh, I forgot what sister said it you need someone that you can talk to someone alongside you to help you with me it was Joe Boswell he's gone to be with the Lord now you know there weren't no one talked then no one it wasn't such a thing no one sat and talked with you now we're so open people are willing to listen to you I want to hear I want to hear what you're going through but I remember I used to sit in the front of his van cry my eyes out and just speak and he never said a word he never said a word I didn't want him to say a word because nothing what Joe could have said would have brought me any comfort whatsoever I just needed to speak because it was God that got me through it no way Joe no there's nothing when we go through these things these things that have happened these last couple of weeks and our sisters have recently gone through we've got to ride it out and that's what happens you've got to ride the storm out there's no easy route the Bible says I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death I'll fear no evil for your rod and your staff they come for me we've all got to go through that valley but if we keep our eyes on the shepherd he's going to get us through it's shaky it's dark the road's dark but we follow the light we follow Jesus Christ and he gets us through you see him look we're all going to go through things in here and you're going to come out in a few years time you're going to have brothers and sisters going through exactly the same thing and you're going to go and talk to them about it and try and encourage them and no it's not nice to sit there and see your brothers and sisters hurt you it's not but that's why we cry with them isn't it Amen. that's we're one body in Christ isn't it we pull together but the good news is that Jesus will get you through. Just like when he said to the men on the Galilee, when he said, get in the boat, we're going to go to the other side. And even though there was a storm, where did they end up? The other side. He's going to get us there. He's going to get us there. And this is, this is what first comforts me. The Bible says, he's faithful even when we're faithless. And that brings me such comfort because there's times in my Christianity when, I, listen, I, when my brother died, I, I never felt faith. Never, be honest with you, I was crushed. I felt destroyed. But Jesus was faithful. Amen. And he got me through. Just like using here, he'll get you through. He'll get you through and that's what Jesus does. That's why our salvation don't depend on ourself. That's why it depends on Jesus Christ. Because if my salvation depended upon my faith to get me there, I wouldn't make it. But it depends on Jesus Christ and that precious blood that he shed on Calvary's tree, that he died and rose again, that we got eternal life. That he don't say you might have it. He says you will have eternal life. And what a comfort that is. Amen. And no matter what you go through, no matter how dark or despair or how low you might get, that comfort comes to know that I belong to Jesus. That's where the comfort comes. You see, you know, they're, they're, going to be, they're chucked in a prison now. And the inner prison, there's no light, there's no fresh air. They only come once they open the door. That's when the light and the fresh air come. And in, in that prison, they're putting the stocks, the feet in the stocks, 
uncomfortable, they're in prison. But I didn't want to finish on a low. Because if you finish on 24, it just ends and you think, oh, is it? oh mate, I can't wait again the next week. Because what's going to happen to them? That's why I thought, finish on verse 25. Because really, that's where the heading should be. It says, but at midnight, it says, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were singing with them. Right? What happened? Satan tried to enter their prayers at the start and now they're in prison praying. That's where it ended. What Satan tried to hinder, not only that, God give them even more time to pray and other people are listening. And they're rejoicing. See, it don't matter what we go through as Christians. And I can't explain it. I ain't got the words to explain the peace and the joy the Lord gives you when you are going through something. It's supernatural, isn't it? Because even though you go through things, when you've got a brother or sister, they come up alongside you and they, they talk to you and then they leave you after they've been with you for a while and you've been through something. Don't they do something in here? Ain't there a bit of joy that's restored in there? It's like you, you can't explain why, can you? Because the world, if I was in the world, if I was in the world, the old, old Johnny, the only way I could have coped with anything was through drink. It's the only way I could have coped. And then when I woke up the next day, the pain would still be there, I still couldn't cope. But the Lord does something, doesn't he? He puts something in there where there's a joy and he gives you a peace. And you know, what? you might, you think, Lord, I know my feet are unsteady and I'm shaking. And I'm, I, I just, I don't know where I'm at. But you give me, you've done something in my heart, Lord, through this trial and tribulation what I'm going through. And you give me a peace and a comfort. It does something, doesn't it? And look, when you go through stuff, and you know who's gone through things and hear what I'm talking about. If you ain't been through it, you will experience it. But the Bible calls it joy unspeakable. It's so unspeakable that we haven't got the words to explain what God does in our hearts. It's like explaining to someone how you felt when you got saved. Try and explain that feeling to someone. You can't, can you? And that's what I wanted to say. Right, this one is say. It's easy to sing and praise God when the things are going nice. It's easy, isn't it? When things are going nice, we can come here, we can hear Joseph sing, you know, we can all clap, raise our hands. It's easy. But it's harder when you're going through something, isn't it? It's hard when you're going through something. It's hard to sing praises to God. But when you do, he uses that. Then he uses that worship. Because when we worship, Lord, we're in fellowship with God, don't he? And he uses that. Right, look, we're going to read next week, they're, big next, they're out of prison. But listen, don't, this verse ain't saying, if you sing praises to God and sing hymns, whatever trial you're going through, you're going to get out of it. That ain't what you're saying. Paul, it's just that, how they felt about God. And that's why, when I said to you at the start, Paul read to this church the letter of the Philippians. The letter of joy. And in Philippians he says, Philippians 4.4, 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. 
Now there was going to be men in that prison who was with Paul, all people in Philippi, who all would have heard what Paul and Silas done that night. So when Paul sent that letter, years later to Philippi, they knew that they could rejoice in all things. Why? Because they've seen a man in the power of the Spirit do it. It was the testimony. And that we've got how we act during a trial. How many of you act during a trial? We're seeing how powerful when we preach. It shows how powerful we are when we preach. Because if I, look, if I can say that God can handle anything in my life, yet when I'm with near unsafe people, I act like he can't. When I do tell them that, they're going to go, well, you don't believe in yourself. But when they see that you stand up, when you're going through things and you're standing upon Christ and you can say God can give me for anything, then when you preach to them, your words have power. You've got power. And that's the difference. That's the difference. And like I said before, I'm going to end it there. Unfortunately, every Christian, every one of us in this place, are going to experience pain. Right? No, look. I'd rather be punched in the mouth, get beat rotten, than experience losing someone. Right? Because if someone punches me in the mouth, it heals up in a few days, doesn't it? It still hurts, but it heals up. But when it's your emotions and you're attached to someone, that's when it's hard. And every one of us is going to experience it. Experience it. But, We've got the comfort to know that we're not alone. Jesus is with us. The road might be rocky, but Christ is going to get us through it. And not only that, he's going to fill you with joy that words can't even express. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, we thank you, my God. Lord, we... We thank you, my God, that you're, you're, you're the closest person that we have in our life. That no matter what we go through, no matter how we feel, no matter whatever goes on in our life, my Lord, whether we feel like we can stand firm or we feel like we're going to just drift and we can't even stand no more, we know that your word says you're faithful when we're faithless, my God. And that you always keep hold of us, that you never leave or forsake us. And I pray, Lord, that you encourage us tonight and that my brothers and sisters leave encouraged that you've got hold of us all, my God. That, Lord, that the enemy can't snatch us out of your hand, my God. And that you've got us. And that you're with us until the end of the age. Glory to your holy and blessed name, Lord Jesus. Amen.